HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. Oh, wait, Lou, what the hell are you doing? What's that you're pouring into? It's, you know, it's an old mustard jar. Connie loves mustard, <laughs> so we have a ton of these old jars sitting around. Are you crazy? Well, it's shaped all wrong, Lou. It's shaped, it's got a bottom and four sides, Shava. What more does it need? Uh, we've talked about this more than once, Lou. The shape of what you drink out significantly affects the flavors you experience from your mezcal or your agave experience. Like, uh, how can you How can you ruin this? Have you ever experienced it with jicaras? Well, of, of course I have. I, had, I used to have a house full of copitas and jicaras. The problem, Chava, is I gave them all away. I've got so many friends, and they couldn't find copitas where they lived, so I... I I helped him out. So generous. But I, there's a solution for that, Ludo. For you and your friends, it's called mezcalforlife.com. You can drink out of something called mezcalforlife.com? <laughs> Not yet, Lou. Technology hasn't gone that far. But it's a website, and they sell you copitas, vasos de veladoras, other traditional and fancy drinking vessels for traditional and fancy mezcal spirits. Or agave spirits, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> so I can tell Connie to stop eating so much mustard? Well, I don't know if that's actually a wise move, Lou. <laughs> but going to mezcalforlife.com and buying some new copitas? Yes, Coven, that's a wise move. Mezcalforlife.com can help you find the perfect drinking vessel for your perfect agave spirit. Head to mezcalforlife.com and you can be set for next week's episode of Agave Road Trip, sponsored by mezcalforlife.com. This episode of Agave Road Trip is brought to you in part by Just Egg. Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, it's so good, I feel guilty eating it. What I say is, thank you, Just Egg, for giving me back the egg on burger experience. Several months into this pandemic, I had heart palpitations that led me to a cardiologist. My cardiologist, Steve, because the best cardiologists let you call them Steve, said I had to go on a vegan diet to get my cholesterol under control. Pairing Just Egg with a plant-based burger, it's like nothing changed except my blood pressure so when i say agave road trip is brought to you in part by just egg what i mean is literally i am the part of agave road trip that is brought to you by just egg thank you just egg for saving my heart 
This is Lou Bank, and before I ever went on any agave road trips, I was taking daily trips on the G-Line from Manhattan to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where I lived with a couple of my Marvel Comics co-workers. Where we lived then is about four blocks from where Duke's Liquor Box is located now. Where was Duke's in 1989? We sure could have used it back then. Back then, you couldn't even find decent beer. But now, man, now if I were thirsty for something obscure, like, say, I don't know, a gin made with guava and passion fruit, I'd go to Duke's Liquor Box. Haitian bitters? You thirsty for Haitian forest bitters? Hey, go to Duke's. How about heirloom tomato eau de vie? I didn't even know what that was in the 1980s. But Duke's? Duke's has that. Duke's has small batch distilled gems like LA1 whiskey, or if you want to drink like a druid, grab a bottle of their Glendalock pot still Irish whiskey, aged in sustainably harvested 140-year-old Irish oak barrels and ex-bourbon barrels. Or, what's that you say? Does Duke's have agave spirits? Well, of Of course they do. Duke's Liquor Box prides itself on their selection of fine spirits and wines, so you'll find rare, delicious treasures like Cinco Sentidos Tobola, Tozba, Pechuga Mezcal, and Siembra Valle Ancestral Tequila Blanco. Duke's Liquor Box has everything you want, including a selection of New York spirits from their locals' only shelf. The only thing they don't have? That's a guy named Duke. So don't ask for Duke when you visit Duke's Liquor Box at 114 Franklin in the heart of Greenpoint. You can also shop online at dukesliquorbox.com. I am Lou Bank. And I am Chava Periban. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that seeks to educate gringo bartenders about agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. Now, Chava, we just wrapped up an episode where we talked about the bugs in the bottles. And <laughs> and then you like you brought me toward one of the stories I've wanted to tell for a while in two different directions in the same episode and I still didn't get to it. Yeah, you were getting all red, you were starting to bubble a little bit. And I was like, poor Lou. I'm There's just the vein, <laughs> that vein, the vein that Gordon Ramsay caused to come out on my forehead uh, was coming out. It was palpitating strongly. It was. <laughs> It was. So, you know, so here's the thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about Monte Alban Mescal, the brand Monte Alban. Which, if people do not know, Monte Alban is an archaeological site. It's in Oaxaca City. It's Monte Alban is the, it's the inhabitants of the clouds. So it's very high up. They chop flat a whole mountain to make their little city. So they were very, very, very infatuated by this piece of land to the point where they spent so much time just flooding out. To live there and had an amazing view from the Bali. Right. But what I want to talk about is the brand Monte Alban Mezcal, <laughs> which I think was the first Mezcal actually exported legally uh, into the U.S., I believe. You're suggesting there was a lot of Mezcal imported illegally to the United States before Monte Alban? Oh, I, yeah, I think I think so, actually. I do think there were a lot of people crossing the border, particularly during Prohibition uh, with that stuff. But, okay. but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Like the first time you walk into a liquor store and you saw a bottle of Mezcal, it was probably Monte Alban. Uh, well, if you're my age, it was definitely Monte Alban. But the, 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 <laughs> so the point is, it's this bottle of, uh, as you put it, I think, was it gold or yellow? What color did you call it? I call it brown, goldenish, yellowish 
thing with the little with the gusano, the little the little caterpillar curled up at the bottom. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, it it's been for sale in the USA uh commercially, legally longer than any other brand. And it's you know I've I've had it and it's fine it's passable it's not interesting and I you know if if you're gonna make a cocktail uh, and you want it to be smoky I think it's uh, it's usable for that uh, mm-hmm. but you know it's the way that now it's sort of ostracized by the um, the mezcal geeks of which I used to consider myself one right but now you're a contrarian yes you're you're a contrarian mezcal geek <laughs> yes so now like I. I while it's nothing I necessarily want to drink, it drives me nuts when they just dismiss it out of hand. And nobody talks about it unless it's in this derogatory way. Yeah, like in this is what mezcal shouldn't be, right? It's yeah. basically your it's, – it's, it's a safe punching bag. Yeah. If you want to look cool and be like, I know my thing about mezcal, I'm just going to punch at Montalban. Yeah. But so like, I, I ended up including this in a uh, an article as one of my 25, I think it was 25, suggested mezcals uh, in Forbes, uh, in Forbes magazine. And the point that I made there, though it was edited in a weird way, but the point that I made there is to me – Monte Alban Mezcal is sort of the PBR of Mezcals. Does that make sense to you, Chava? Well, I do not inhabit the United States of America, so I don't have a connection to that. I'll say in beer terms, it's probably like the Tecate of Mexico. There you go. Where Tecate was, yeah, like nobody will drink that. And now it's like the coolest thing you can drink. Well, but there's no way that nobody would drink it or it wouldn't have survived is my point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like construction workers, maybe like, I don't know. Yeah, which, and hey, you know what? Construction workers, real human beings with real palates. I'm not the one to say that they're wrong, right? Uh, dude, have you ever eaten in a Mexican construction? Have you had a taco of chicharrón with yes. avocado with those guys? Man, Pujol, you have so much to learn. <laughs> I don't like the chicharrón, but yes. Yeah, there's a, there's another story to tell at some point where my friend uh, Bruce Costa and I were traveling uh, through rural Mexico together and we came we got stopped at a construction site and there was a tent where they were serving food and it was delicious. But I you know, I won't go into it, but cuz it's going to get me off it's, I'm already derailed. <laughs> but so my point is, my point is um not only while I wouldn't drink Monte Alban on a regular basis, um, I would certainly try it in a, in a cocktail if somebody offered it to me. But more importantly, you know, I think it's it's important for gringo bartenders to be open to the idea that there's a reason the gusano became this marketing tool, whether it started that way or not, became this marketing tool to get people interested in drinking this particular beverage. And and I think it can still be used that way and can then be used to bring people along to some more, let's say, refined versions of mezcal. But I think I think there are things that Monte Alban could do that would absolutely cause them to get more attention. Well, so, yeah, so I'm friends with – and she like if I said her name, she'd get so angry at me because she doesn't want people to know that she's connected to Monte Alban, which I think is hilarious. Whereas, whereas I've been lobbying her, let me be the brand manager for Monte Alban. <laughs> I will have fun with Monte Alban and I will have the world have fun with Monte Alban. So – she was telling me because they have like the little airline size bottles and then they've got like the 375 milliliter and then they've got the 750 milliliter size, right? She was telling me that they've got this room at uh, the distillery, the, the – well, the, the yeah, the distillery, the factory where they make Mondale Bond. 
and that room is just for the gusanos, and they've got like a giant tub of the little no. baby gusanos that go no. inside the airline, and then a bigger right. Like they got, it's like the three bears. They got the mama, the papa, <laughs> and the baby bear tubs full of the equal size gusano. Yeah, yeah, it's- right. You want to dive into that tub, right? Well, are you kidding me? Like, well, I wouldn't get out of that room ever. Like, I will just become the equivalent of a vegetarian, but just like gusano Aryan. Like, I will just eat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I'm going to derail a little bit because this is really curious to me. You know, I always hear in Oaxaca how the gusano is considered a delicacy. I've only seen it served like in a fancy way at a restaurant in Puebla and it was delicious. It was like eating the best French fry. Right. My question to you is like, did you grow up eating these and did you like eating them? Uh, It was always a very expensive plate. Since I have memory of, it was always uh, a a rather expensive, like if you went to fancy restaurants, like you you got El Cardenal and you got all these places where politicians go. It was always like a 200 peso taco. Oh, oh, so you eat it it as a taco? Sometimes taco with guacamole, sometimes just by themselves. Uh, The best gusanos I've had yet have been in Oaxaca and they sold them to me in a Tupperware with an apple inside. So they were all alive. They oh. were eating this apple and I just put it in a clay pan and roasted them really slowly. And I cannot start describing the smell. My house smelled like, like heaven for a whole week. And just each one of those <laughs> was a crazy explosion of flavor in my mouth. There, there's few things in this planet that I enjoy more than a slowly roasted fresh gusano. God, like it's, know, which, it's just it's way beyond. Which gets us back to the previous episode, right? You know, like it having a gusano, it doesn't have to be a bad gusano. Can you imagine, like, if every bottle of mezcal had this beautiful apple raised gusano in it? Like, what would that taste like? Well, and I'm pretty sure Montalban they have to have a substrate of what gusanos like the worms are eating. And it's most likely apples. There, there's a reason why they use apples. Uh. It's uh it's a, they they like it, it's easy to get. You have to purge it from the agave because I think the agave makes it bitter. So that's why you have to give the apple to them. So mm-hmm. they just poop out the agave and they're full with this uh, more sweet substrate inside themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. So, okay. So now let's get back to the Monte Alvon story. So I'm trying to convince uh, my friend that I should be the brand manager for Monte Alvon. <laughs> and the, like the, the my key idea to her was there there was this um th- when i was growing up this cereal captain crunch have you ever had captain crunch captain it's a cereal kind of thing yeah okay yeah so it's so it's a cereal but like it's it's captain crunch is the base and then you had all of these different kinds like peanut butter captain crunch or or you know i don't know <laughs> but but there was one in particular called the uh, uh, crunch berries right like you would have the captain crunch which were these little like i don't know like brownish beige-ish little little triangle or not triangles rectangles and then you'd have these giant monstrous purpley fake berry <laughs> sugary berry things in there called crunch berries and several years ago they came out with oops all crunch berries which was very exciting even as an adult i all i wanted was a bowl full of crunch berries as a kid and as an adult i actually got that <laughs> and so i i'm trying to convince my friend that monte alban needs to release like a a tiny a tiny bottle that just oops all gusano <laughs> right <laughs> That'll be awesome. Yeah, if, since the geek market is already ignoring you, have fun, poke fun at them, and then you get more attention. Sort of like you're playing along with the joke. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you get the chance to do a lot of the things that these guys can't, right? How, what do you What do you mean? Well, like all these, like all the other producers are trying to preserve a very specific image and a very specific process and whatnot, right? Which is super important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that everything yeah, no, no, should be. Like, please keep 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 doing that. We keep doing that. But these guys, they just have the open play field to do whatever the heck they want, right? Nobody. What are you going to do to damage their reputation any further, right? <laughs> and and I'll say this too, like what what nobody realizes. It's sort of what you had said earlier about Tecate that no, nobody drinks it. You'd be shocked. Well, it will be more Carta Blanca, actually. Like, I, I, will, I will think like Carta Blanca. Tecate was not the best example. But somebody does drink it is the point, right? Like, the truth is, while we don't recognize, and by we, I mean those of us in this, this mezcal geek bubble don't recognize is a lot of people are buying Monte Alban. Well, it's like a lot of people are drinking Cuervo, man. Like, you know, like it's 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 a thing. <laughs> and I haven't, I, I do not personally know anybody that drinks Cuervo, but that just means there's a lot more people drinking Cuervo in the world than not. There you go. So, so uh, yeah, if you haven't had Monte Alban, give it a try. Keep an open mind. You're probably <laughs> not going to like it. But as a gringo bartender, it's not about what you like. It's about what your customers might like, right? And also, if I can vouch something for it, it's you can have a damn good party just drinking Montalban shots. If you want to have a crazy party, like, you know, it's like you're graduating or something, I wouldn't think, like, I will use it as a great trick, you know, just bring a bottle of Montalban, get some shots out of it and see how you feel the next day. I am so going to send this particular episode to my friends so we can maybe at least get one ad out of Monte Alban. Let's get them. Okay. Catch you next episode when we really will try to wrap around uh, and catch up with our friends, uh, Damien and Raquel. Adios. Hang on, road trippers. We're not done yet. We've got an episode of Chava and Lou's Chat Fest coming up. Welcome to Chava and Lou's Chat Fest. We're going to chat you up for three solid minutes about something thoroughly engaging like nothing else you've ever chatted about before. Chava, I believe you are going to educate us on your sales method. Yeah, which it's absolutely less effective than yours, clearly. And we've had uh, <laughs> a lot of... Well, like no, I know, I think so. But I think we tend to be selling different things. I think... Uh, yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, like I, I think one way to gauge how effective you are, it's always your parents. Like I, I, tr I try to to use my parents as a mirror, and like as a not a mirror, more more like as a barometer of uh, like, a barometer. Yeah, like, of how like a compass. You know, like if if they don't think you are absolutely dumb, uh, at least you know you're doing something, doing a few things okay. Because they okay. because they're listening to you with more attention than most people. At least that. Okay. So uh, they they are more prompt to catch uh, problems in your discourse. Uh, so every time I want to sell something to someone or I want to sell an idea, my I call my mother my bullshit filter. Hmm. I think that's a mistake, but keep going. Yeah, keep going. I'm 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 interested, but I'm I like I think you might be making a huge mistake, but keep going. Okay, so I mean, she, she's a super smart lady. She's she's seen a lot mm -hmm. of things, and I think mm -hmm. when I when I'm interested in trying to come up with a new project or idea, I go to her. I tell her what uh, my approach is going to be. 
And if she tells me, nah, like if she's li- if she starts talking about something else and absolutely disregards what I'm saying, like, I'm like, okay, this is not going to go very far. But if she starts asking questions and stuff. Okay, point of clarification. I need to understand something. Are you going to her and explicitly saying, this is something that I am going to do? Well, usually. What do you think? This is something I'm considering doing. Is that what you're saying to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something I'm considering. I th- I'd be curious. Like, I think you should. Oh, God. I know this is this is supposed to be you talking about sales. But here's what I would suggest, Java, is. No, 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 no. Like, yeah. Is when when you go to her next time, don't tell her this is something like make find j- drop hints about the thing and then make her ask you about it. Without her realizing this is something you're trying to sell. In fact, maybe even say it's something that somebody else you know is doing so that she doesn't know that there's any – that you have any connection to it, any investment, monetary, uh, emotional, anything, um, and then see what she says. Seriously. Well, that's your your first mistake, Lou. You're underestimating her capacity – to to read that what we're telling her is doesn't come out of just like pure uh interest like she always knows when we're talking about something that we want to do like if we say like yeah friend of a friend is thinking it's doing this and that she'll always look at you and be like you want you to write that too right like she 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 so what did she what did she, what did she say when you told her that you were doing this podcast she didn't know what a she doesn't know what a podcast is uh so i i told her <laughs> She doesn't. Uh, I told her it was like a radio show. And she's been like, in my house, the radio has always been on. Uh, she loves her radio. And she said, oh, that's cool. I thought you had to be very old to be on the radio because all she listens to. <laughs> and, and you explained that you have a partner who, in fact, is really old. Yeah, that, and I think she liked that. Uh, but uh, she, I, I think the podcast, for example, is something that she's like, oh, okay. Like, again, like a, a lot of things that that I tell her, I understand that she doesn't understand. And I think in, in that case, it's different. Right, right, right. But when she understands what I'm talking about, uh, I think she's a great compass. But then I have like people my – you know, another thing, like when I explain to people my age and they tell me it's a good idea, I always know it's a bad idea. You know, I – but here's – here's okay. Here's my thought on that, Java, is I, I hate focus groups. I am a marketing salesperson who <laughs> does not believe in focus groups. I mean, I know they exist. I just think they are worthless generally. And I think they are worthless because you are asking somebody to have an opinion about something that you place in front of them. Whereas if they walked into a grocery store or they like were walking down the street and they saw something, they probably like the vast majority of things they see, they don't have an opinion about. They just don't. And if they do end up having an opinion mm-hmm. about it, it's in a completely different context than, than, Hey, what do you think of this? I, I, and you know, maybe you, you're catching that person on a bad day, and you add to all of that the um, uh, all all of the all of the pressures that come with the familial relationship of your mom. I, th- mm. I, th- or your friends, even. I think you're wrong. I think you know, and this is this is going to absolutely pinpoint me <laughs> as the arrogant bastard that I am. But I think if you have an idea. Try it. Don't ask somebody, should I try this? Just try it. And, you know, I've done this my entire life. And I don't know, I'm probably batting 200 with the stuff that I do. You know, like, so so 20% of the things that I've tried work. 
And, you know, and by work, I don't even necessarily mean that they made me money because a lot of things I do, I don't do it because of money. But I do it. Except for, except to have a road trip that it's making you rich. Oh, right my now. God. Yes. We've <laughs> built an extension on the house. You know, but I, I, I seriously think that as and I know this is supposed to be about you selling, but I think. That, no, no. no like, I think that it would behoove you to just go with your gut and you're going to fail sometimes and you know what failing is a good thing if you if you learn from your failures you're learning and that's how, you know, I, I mean i absolutely get that but you know what i think that has been always my strategy and you're we're talking about that a little bit the best business i've ever had in my lifetime and i think we we should start from there was when i was 12 years old I was no, I was probably like eleven, and uh, I I was going to Centro, to the center of the city in Mexico mm-hmm. City. It did it didn't look that way it looks now. Today it's super clean and pretty. Back then you couldn't see the streets because there was so many ambulantes, so many street vendors, yeah. and I found a guy bell- selling pellet bullets, um, you know, like guns, BB guns, mm-hmm. like your plastic bullet yeah, guns, yeah. like super cheap, fifty peso guns. And I thought, I really want that. And I know every other kid in my school wants that. And I know they're very expensive in malls, in shopping malls. So, and I knew they, they cost like 300 pesos in shopping malls. So I went there with all my savings, but a full stock of BB guns. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought BB guns and well, lasers. You're saying, B, you're you know, saying like, BB uh, guns, but then you're saying plastic pellets. You're really talking about toy guns. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like not BB. Yeah, okay, BB has okay. like like powder. No, this was just like plastic pellets. And uh, so and, and I sold the, the hell out of those. That was like the best margin I've ever done in my lifetime. And I, then people wanted to be able to aim better. So I bought lasers that you will tape to the gun. <laughs> <laughs> This is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> you and I, and, and you sold these in your middle school, yes? Yes, yes. I think even elementary school. And then I moved wow. on to stuffed animals because, like, a Valentine's Day was coming, and the stuffed animals they were selling in malls were super expensive, whereas in Centro, they were super cheap. And I was one of the few kids in my school that had access to street vendors in Centro. So I went there, bought, like, pink panchers for 25 pesos and, like, I don't know, I can't remember the pink characters panchers. that were fashionable back then. I just sold a hell out of that. But then, turns out, the school authorities were not thrilled about my venture. Seems like entrepreneurship was not such a celebrated thing back then. And, and I was moving on to sell small knives. So I can see life. why <laughs> they were not crazy. God, you, you and I had a very, very similar experience. Oh, wait, wait. But the best one, like if I was, mm-hmm. I, I think that was like smartish. But my brother, when he was in high school, he had a pawn shop. <laughs> in his locker, in his high school locker? <laughs> well, like he he used to party a lot in high school and he got kicked out of his original high school and ended up like in a very rough neighborhood high school. Mm-hmm. And nobody had money to party. Nobody had cash. But they had cell phones and SIM cards and skateboards and all sorts of stuff. So he will go to party. It's like, I can lend you 50 pesos for that skateboard. Wow. Like, wow. <laughs> and he had in his room. One day we walked into his room and he had like 25 cell phones. Like everything with numbers, like numbers, <laughs> like, like name tags and stuff. <laughs> My parents got so scared. So let, let, let's say like there's there's a family tradition behind that. But you were saying you also had like child uh, business. Well, I did. I did. You know, I did the exact same thing, but the rural Chicago version <laughs> of it. 
um, where I found this uh, this uh, five and dime store, the Kresge's, where if I put a penny in the gumball machine and I jiggled the handle enough, instead of getting one gumball, I could get like anywhere between seven and ten gumballs. And so I just I would go and get a roll of pennies mm-hmm. right at the back of the store, and then I'd take them up to the front and I'd just clean out the gumball <laughs> machine. And and then I take them to the next day to school and sell them for a penny a piece and make seven to ten times you know my money, um, and at some point I got shut down by the uh, the school authorities and I think it's probably because you know I was a gross uh, middle school kid and my hands had touched every single gumball and I was probably like before the, I probably started my uh, my uh, a pandemic the first pandemic I lived through came from me in that school I'm guessing. I'm guessing. That's Lovely. Okay, okay. So, yeah, like, and I want to go back to my childhood years business-wise. You know, like, I, I, I've never seen those margins again in my lifetime. I've never been able to make that much money with, so, like, investing so little money. So I, I, I think I'm doing something wrong the more I grow up. Well, you know, maybe that's something else we do uh, on the next Agave Road Trip is you and I – um, we we go to one of those toll booths where things get backed up, and we sell things that nobody else is selling at the toll booth. At the toll, oof, that'll be such a good. Bit. You know what I'm talking about? The traffic. Yeah, jam? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but that's that's so. It'd be hilarious. Like, you just got to find funny. Like, like a, a like the two of us going around to cars selling shit. <laughs> That would be funny, and we got to sell stuff that nobody else would ever sell to people who were in cars. And I don't know what that. Maybe it is agave spirits. Maybe you and I are just selling flasks of booze on the uh, the roads. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we're not going to figure it out this chat fest because we need to wrap this up and get on to some recording something else. Uh, but hey, Java, it's been lovely talking with you about your sales strategy. Lovely too. Let's get a business together, Lou. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.